0: And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and
1: digital content news. This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 301 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, December 9th, 2021. And with me as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who could definitely sit around and eat toast with the Beatles, Mr. Joe Pulitzi. <laughs> okay, right. I haven't watched it. Have you watched it? The Beatles? I have watched the whole thing. Okay, and you it love is, it? Oh my god. It is so good. Now, it's you have to you know, I'm, and this is no spoiler alert here. Um, it, basically, it's it's a fly you're a fly on the wall for nine hours that i mean sure it's they're long because there's three episodes but each one is and they're all almost
0: three hours i did i did look at this yesterday
1: Yeah. yeah they're 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 long and but and there's no commentary like it's you know you get a little bit of text over image to give you some context about what day it is and where people are and and who people are like you know the little names will come up as people come in and out of a room but you're basically a fly on the wall watching the Beatles create Let It Be and it's you know I mean it, it it's absolutely mesmerizing it's just I mean you, you know again I, I'm not spoiling anything this has been all over the yeah. internet but it's basically you know you're watching Paul McCartney sort of work out let it be on the piano I mean you're just he's like eh, that's not really right you know I, I mean I, I mean you know and then you're watching them have go through their trauma and their drama and their you know and they're and they're joking around and you just get a completely yeah. new perspective on the beat so as a and, creator
0: uh, you'd probably really appreciate it but I oh my well, god
1: it's it's yeah
0: I gotta tell you I turned it I was I was Looking for it yesterday, so I went to it and I saw the three episodes almost three hours. And I turned to my wife and I said, Do you have any interest in, in watching this right now? And she said, Do you want the divorce right now, or <laughs> would you like me to leave wow. and send it? <laughs> Do you? I mean, yeah, so because honestly, you are the first person I've talked to that have, has raved about it. Most people say that it, it's very, you know, long, it's hard to get through, but again not necessarily creators and not necessarily Beatles fans. So if you're...
1: Well, yeah, yeah, if you're not a Beatles fan, like if you don't like the Beatles... Yeah, you're not going to like like it at all. Definitely, you don't want nine hours of it, right? I mean, because it is nine hours of the Beatles. And, you know, now I will say this. The first, you know, I don't disagree with those that say uh, that it's a little, it can be tedious, right? Because there's no manufactured drama here. Like, you know, you're just watching events as they, you know, it basically follows the Beatles making Let It Be, which was supposed to be a live album, and it was supposed to be part of a concert that they were going to do, which was the first time they were going to play live in, you know, really four years, and... Uh, so it follows them in this month-long January of 1969, January, literally January 3rd or something, through the end of January. It's a one-month time when they're all getting together, for the first time, yeah. by the way, in a couple of years, and basically making an album together. And it's, I mean, if you're not into that, then you're not going to be into it. And I don't disagree that there are times when you're like, okay, come, move on, move on, move on. You ha- after finishing it I am so glad that they didn't because what Peter Jackson did who's the director of course he he basically said look we're going to immerse you at the same pace that they were at basically and what was going on and so you, it, it's like literally watching them make an album and it's You know and it was the last of course it you know again no not a spoiler alert here this is history you you know it it all culminates in that rooftop concert that they had which was you know truly a last minute consideration and it was the last time they ever played together again um they would go on from there to basically have a very rancorous relationship because they hired a new manager and all of that stuff it's it's a. F- it's fascinating. It's but, just. am so glad I spent the time. Well,
0: I probably will end up watching it by by myself. But it's It's also worth mentioning that this is directed uh, by Peter Jackson, from Lord of the Rings fame,
1: who doesn't course, like yeah,
0: to edit who, things. Who,
1: no, that's right. That's like, right. Yeah, it's like definitely it, you know, got that Lord of the Rings. Yeah, three hour. Yeah, sort yeah of I mean
0: the episode. ten kilometer walk to whatever forest. I mean, there, there's the, you got the whole walk. In there, from Lord of the Rings, yeah, right? You're right. seeing the whole thing.
1: Well, I think he was smart. I think he was smart to do it, in th- you know, because you could have said, well, he could have broken it up into nine one-hour episodes. Yeah. But I think you would have skipped it, right? I think you would have skipped episodes then because... you got to get through the they're, first they're, one. Right. And then I won't say what these are because I I think it's important for the, the compelling story. But there are basically two very natural breaks um, that basically... You know, sort of separate the three episodes um, that really sort of solidify it, and I think the three episodes was exactly right. Interesting.
0: So, you know, it's interesting you bring yeah. that up. Have you watched Hawkeye at all on Disney Plus? Have you,
1: I haven't yet. Yeah. I've
0: been saving it. It's it's yeah. fine. I mean, I'm 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 I, watching yeah. it because my oldest is watching it, so so we can have that thing together. But there, because of this, we have to have 10 one hour episodes thing. It loses a lot. I think that yeah. it's the wrong format for some, some for some of these shows. I think that Wandavision Absolutely. would have been better in a different format. And just you know these forty five minute chunks. Um, I don't know why it has to be that way. I don't know why you can't have four two hour episodes or whatever. Like why do you? Why does everything have to be forty five minutes?
1: So right. I think maybe well, Peter I think Jackson has honestly. done something the research about how how people will sit you know, how long people will sit because anything longer than an hour, people consider a movie, not necessary. An yeah, episode. that's true. Um, and I, and I think, you know, so you, you, you have some of that. Um, but I agree with you that the, the splitting them up the way they do, because what ends up happening is, is that that and, and I ha- have heard from my colleagues who are Hollywood screenwriters and directors, that this is actually a, a, a difficult thing because the benefit is, is that you can have more subtle and longer character arcs than you can in traditional television, right? You can actually, you know, have a multi-episode uh, plot or a multi-episode arc because of the way that these things are structured in streaming rather than sort of you had to sort of close up every episode, you know, in, uh, in broadcast sure. TV, you know, in, within the 55 minutes. But the con to it is is that you end up having episodes you know, episode usually four or five or that six, drags. that's, that's just dragged. Yeah. It's just a character development episode, right? It's just everybody in, you know, one room sort of, you know, explaining to you what's going on and, and it can be really hard to get Th- out of that.
0: That's where my issue is. And, and I don't, I'm enjoying Hawkeye, but that is a, an issue there. There's a lot of character development going on. I, I, sometimes it's okay to have the constrictions as a creator to edit your work. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's very exactly. important. That's and, and, and that's where a lot of the creativity comes from because we only have this much time or, or this is the set format. So because you just say, oh, I'll take all the time you want it and we'll break it into chunks. Cause literally it's a nine, yeah. it literally, it's a nine hour movie. And they just break it into chunks. It makes yeah, sense. That's right. Because it, yeah, from, that's right. from episode three to episode four in Hawkeye, you literally just started at the exact same point. They said, "Okay, we're going to cut here." Yep. <laughs> right. So exactly. Whatevs. So, but but I will check that out there by myself.
1: Go. Hey, listen, I heard I, I heard I heard through the grapevine by the way, that you had something, I don't know, some new thing oh, you geez. wanted to talk about or some new launch. What the hell's going on with You're you? You're so kind. Yes. To, actually,
0: we're recording this on Thursday, the 9th and the 10th on Friday. We're having a big announcement. I'm back into the event business, believe it or not. Uh, dun, La- dun, China. dun. We're announcing, announcing CEX, the Creator Economy Expo, it will be May 2nd to 4th, 2022 at the Arizona Grand Resort in Phoenix, and it is a limited
1: event. Are we going to call it sex? Are we going to call it no, sex? No, we're not doing that.
0: We're not. It's oh, okay. CEX. Right. We right, don't don't want to go. Yes, okay. some people have done okay. that, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, Robert. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Thank okay. you. So yeah, you can yeah. find it thank out. <laughs> information at CEX.events. So we're first of all, it's a limited event. We're only going to sell about 500 or so tickets. So it's, you know, we'll see if we can sell out quickly. That would be be great. But it's basically the difference with this event. You and I have had this discussion. A lot of the events in the creator economy space are platform-based. You'll have a speaker from YouTube or Pinterest or some other social big platform, and they'll say, this is what we do for creators. This event is for creators by creators. We're partnering with our good friend, Brian Clark from you know founder of copy blogger and a bunch of other businesses so he's partnering with me on this initiative and we're going to move forward and and make this thing happen and and as part of it of course as we we've talked about nfts at the same time we've launched a hundred uh never-ending tickets our nft program that if you go to cx.events you can get one. So far as of you know, we just we just sold two in the matter we were talking about this Robert so we're up to 10. We've sold 10 of our 100 never ending tickets and that process has been an incredible learning experience for me on actually doing an NFT program and trying to do it the right way and that's it. So there you know <laughs> it's funny on
1: LinkedIn Well first of all I have to hats off. I mean that's a huge thing thank you I mean it's a it's a huge you know and 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 of course you know I mean as uh, you know as you might expect you know the, the the thing I like about it is the fact that the NFTs that you are selling here are utility right yes it's a, there's there's something helpful and useful about them that's a never ending ticket which can be sold and resold obviously to someone else and then of course you know i'm not sure what the back end looks like and quite frankly don't care what the back end looks like but the but the the idea is is that you know you know when that ticket has been resold or sold to someone else and and what the value of that thing is and it may increase over time hopefully it'll increase over time and then just uh, just peripherally but no no certainly less of a note for the creativity the artwork is Spectacular! It's just yep. absolutely beautiful, and, and the, our the, yes, the, the images.
0: And and hats off to to J.K. Kalinowski who led the design on the JPEGs. Uh, we worked together on on doing this. The, all hundred are individual; they're unique. Um, you'll if you get one, you'll get one that there's no two that are alike. They all have their individual properties. So you're right. There's the JPEG aspect of it, and every ticket uh, gets not only entrance into any. CEX that's ever produced but you also get VIP access to the event so there'll be a VIP party and then uh, there's about 38 of them get they get special swag so some will get event swag some will get to meet a keynote some well, there's one that will get to introduce a keynote from the main stage so these will all be minted at random right now so to your right about the utility and I love the ownership aspect if you own one you can go to the event. If you can't go, you can sell your ticket. You can do all kinds of stuff with it because it's your ticket and it's your ticket for life. Unlike uh, some other tickets we've talked about here that are, you know, one or two or three year tickets, we I was I'm really into, as you know, I'm into this whole never ending ticket concept because I believe in this, you know, lifelong content experience that you can have with a brand. So there's it's a great experiment. Well,
1: it's. Yeah, it's really cool. We'll it's see how really it goes. it's really cool. I, I I you know, and bully for you for getting back into the event business. Ah, I,
0: man. You know. Oh, I got to tell you this. This is funny. <laughs> so I put on LinkedIn today, I said I'm, you know, so this is Thursday and I'm typing and I said I got a big announcement. I'm actually you know launching another event tomorrow. I can't believe I'm back in the event business, and I should go to it. I got—I gotta quote it uh, directly. But uh, Scott Stratton, you know, friend of the show that you and I oh, have known yes, a course. long time, says, "Oh, he says this. He says you're the John Wick of events. You got out. Someone hurt your dog, didn't they?" <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I said, that's "That made funny. me spit out my that's coffee." Funny. Yeah, that is—that's probably appropriate. He's yeah. like, "Why? Why are you back in?" You got out. So (laughs) you got out, and the whole thing. So yeah, so we're trying all the things with this one, but we really do feel, as we've talked about, there's a gap in the creator economy uh, marketplace. That you know we're trying to find our own content tilt, if you will, and happy to partner with Brian Clark on this and. And, uh, and well, well Brian's see.
1: good people too. I mean, you know, Brian is an awesome guy, and so there's no better partner you can have. Well, you could have partnered with me, but that that I, I wouldn't have been nearly as skilled at it.
0: Well, <laughs> but, we are you know, always we are forever <laughs> partners. You and I that will that will never change. But Brian is awesome. That will never I, change. I, I, but
1: I love Brian Clark, and you know, and uh, you will have uh, a, a, a many a droll conversation with the lovely Brian Clark. <laughs> he, he is as, as witty. As he is calm. So uh, he's a great partner to have in this whole thing. It
0: will be yeah, so we're you know, we're not announcing we've got some speakers, but we're not announcing anything for a couple weeks. We're just going to announce and everything will be available for so early bird tickets are four ninety-five if you just want a regular ticket that lasts for three weeks, and that regular tickets are nine ninety five. So actually, I don't know. I mean, you and I were talking before the show. I I think that this will sell out in a couple months. But the event business is kinda of crazy right now. So Yeah, it's a little nutty. It's a little it's a nutty. Little a little nutty. So I don't I don't know. We've priced these things to sell and, and we've got the VIP tickets of course. So which are a little bit more expensive. Um, they start at 0.75 ETH, but again, they're a never ending ticket. So hopefully you see the value yeah. there. But yeah, that's that's interesting. But so regardless if you're interested or not, check out what we're doing. If you go to CEX.events, you can see the event. Click on NFTs, and you'll see the, the, the never-ending tickets. You'll see exactly how we do it. You can connect the wallet. You can go to OpenSea and see what's been, already been minted. You can check out the properties. It's like I'm having a little digital baby, you know?
1: <laughs> uh, sometimes the jokes just run themselves, folks. But uh, I'm, I'm going nowhere near that. I'm going nowhere Near uh, that. Set you up for that one. But uh, just, no, just so we're just so we're yes. clear. Well, on that yeah. note, digital baby, should yes. we uh, should we get Let, to the news? Let's do that. Do we have news this week? All right.
0: After after the
1: three hundredth,
0: I thought we took all the news. The three hundredth episode,
1: uh, we did, uh, we did. But uh, the, thankfully, they created more. Uh, and we have, we have yeah, we have a few stories to talk about here. I think some that will sort of link into to a little bit of the announcement that you just made, which will be an interesting sort of juxtaposition, as you will. And all I, right. And gives me an excuse to use the word juxtaposition. <laughs> um, all right. Our first story uh, comes to us courtesy of uh, Marketing Dive, uh, and it's about advertising, and it's a fascinating Uh, story, uh, sort of reporting on a few different research studies and the headline is Ad Markets Growth Exceeds Broader Economic Recovery Fueled by Digital. Uh, The brief, as it goes into at Marketing Dive, says basically three new industry reports predict a remarkably strong advertising market heading into 2022, building on an already better than expected pandemic rebound. One of the firms, Magna Global, recorded its highest growth rate ever for the international advertising market, with all forms of media spending up 22 percent year on year to reach a record seven hundred and ten billion dollars. Global digital ad sales spanning search, social, video, banners, and audio increased 31% year over year to hit $442 billion globally per Magna Global. Those formats now account for 62% of the total worldwide ad sales. The U.S. ad market grew 25% to 284 billion, with Pure Play Digital up 37%. Um, basically, the article goes on to just cite a few more uh, stats and then. Uh, basically, the their insight, um, which is not terribly insightful, um, basically says basically the same takeaway that the market has rebounded. <laughs> you know that that's their insight. Um, <laughs> uh, what say you, Mr. Polizzi, So uh, to this, do you have yes. anything more insightful than basically these are good numbers? There's, there's
0: three. There's three points that I would like to make with this. First of all, you got to remember that when in March, April, May of last year, people stopped spending everything. So you're working off of a, a lower 2020 number, and then you had this big unleash of cash in 2021, so you're going to see skewed numbers. You, you can't look at, I don't know if you can realistically look at these numbers and say, oh, this is because the ad market is really growing. There's real growth here. So I don't know how you want to play with those numbers. Um, I would also say this, and you and I just mentioned this: there's been a lot of uh, large enterprises that have stopped spending on physical events. Those are big numbers that they've moved to advertising in a lot of cases. Sure. So you have you have uh, you know marketing budgets that are moving around. So that is. Is going to this. You've got a lot more opportunities, a lot of content creators out there to spend money with, the traditional media companies, as well as individual creators. So there's a lot of things going on. I will like to see what happens in 22. I know they said the numbers are going to be up 14%. But at the same time, how many times have you you and I mentioned this fact, enterprises are flush with cash right now and having it sit in cash and doing nothing is a detriment with inflation running as high as it is so they have to use it they have to spend this money sitting in a bank account is not good for any enterprise so they're going to spend it this is the first time ever we when we looked at you know if you go back to let's say the 01 02 recession we didn't have inflation running rampant you could take that cash and hold it and make money in a basic interest bearing account today you can't you actually have to spend it and you've got CFOs that are saying okay we've got to spend this money because it's doing no good just sitting over here so, so there's right. a lot of things going on here to show so all in all you don't know nothing we don't know we don't know <laughs> right. if this is real or not
1: <laughs> right that's what right. do you think I think I think that's exactly right I think you know you could just as easily see a headline this time next year that basically says you know that huge growth that we saw in 2021 did not materialize in 2022 because 2021's numbers were inflated right artificially inflated by the fact that so many businesses are putting their money into media right now paid media right now because there's nowhere else to put it um and you know you there's no physical events they're not you know you're not funding salespeople to run around the planet boondoggles you know and do events and, and boondoggles and You know, weird stunts in the middle of Times Square, where you've got you know a Coke bottle sitting in the middle of Times Square, where everybody gets to go in and have a Coke and a smile, and you know, all that stuff is just not happening right now because of the because of where we are with physical presence being such scarcity um, in the way that we do marketing. So I do now. Having said that, I would also love to see the details because I've always sort of given side-eye to advertising figures because I think in many ways much of this research sort of, it evolves around what we believe the idea of paid media to be but isn't the traditional advertising as we would quote it. In other words, if a brand pays to have their film, let's call it a branded content film, uh, and they pay to promote that on digital. Is that considered advertising? Yes, it is. And I think it probably yeah, is. Right. It probably um, is. And so, all of that money that is going into different kinds of paid media is worth note as well, because I think the nature of what you know, because when we hear digital advertising is growing by 30% or 20% or whatever it is, the immediate thing we think of is popover ads, banner ads, and interruptive-based ads, and, and and
0: that and, they're and, promoting a product or service and not content. Correct. Yes,
1: exactly. Not content promotion. Exactly. That's
0: a good That's point. exactly
1: right. And so it would be interesting to actually dissect these numbers uh, and actually start to split out what is, you know, I mean, dare I say traditional digital advertising versus sort of modern Content promotion um, for some of these paid media initiatives because I would bet that there is a real shift there. I would agree I have no data to prove this but I would bet that there's a real shift there.
0: it's almost impossible to get today because the only way you can do it is a qualitative survey and if you get the content marketing people that'll take the survey and you'll get the brand media and the product people and they're all taking the survey you'll end up with like 300 percent budget like they all because they all they're all <laughs> exactly. they, they all well, think that's exactly that they're spending 30 percent right. yeah. on this and 20 percent. They're like, no way, because I've done a lot of research studies and they're almost always inaccurate. You have to be very careful what you're looking for. So
1: it's such a good point. It's such a, it's like when I interviewed that CFO, when they when, when I asked about that, it was the first year that this company had ever done marketing. Like they had never sort of, it was a big B2B company and they'd never done sort of classic marketing before. They'd always just done sales, right? And and so they built a marketing department, hired, it was a great case study because it's like, you know, you rarely see this sort of test tube access before, but over the course of the next year, they grew, they grew at 300% and it was, you know, it was a testament to the classic process of marketing and marketing activities. But then the CFO was like, well, okay, we need to understand what worked. So they went and dissected every single campaign they ever did, every search ad, every SEO thing, every banner ad, every, you know, sort of interstitial that they did. And without fail, every single one of them individually was a failure or flat. <laughs> but together, somehow they grew 300%. percent amazing? How does that work? It, it, it's just you, amazing. As, as yeah. you've
0: said many times, you can take any number and tell a positive right. story or a negative story. That's right. I don't care or a what negative it, yeah, story, yeah, I don't right. care what
1: it is. So I guess it's like stats. It's like football stats, right? You know, football stats are such BS, right? Because you know, you've got this DVOA score or PFF score or whatever and it's just like, well no, it's like who did they play? What did the how what was the context of the game? You know, it's like you know, they are the highest defense ranked or they're the lowest defense ranked. It's like, you know, what, what stats are you reading, right? You, I can make that tell you any story you like. That's exactly
0: right. So, so I guess uh, to wrap up this advertising article, we have no clue no, we what no clue. we're going to see. I think it'll, st- it'll see, it'll be up next year, probably just because. We're just getting back to some kind of regular advertising spending. But to your point, we don't know where exactly it's going. If it's going to traditional paid media, if it's going to content promotion, if it's movement from events. You might see a lot of this budget move back to events in late 22. uh, Because, by the way, this is just a little tidbit for those people in the event industry. This is very hard for us to find a location for CEX, we found you know we found a location at Phoenix because what we learned is that you had events from from 20 and 21 that all pushed into 22. Everybody's right now is doing their event in 22. So yeah,
1: CMI has had that same challenge yeah, exactly right? it, 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 there's there, there's a very similar challenge with you know with um, you know with looking at events for like content tech and the, those kinds of things because you know it there's it, there is a real challenge right now with finding space.
0: It is a crazy environment, and so here we go. But the good news is, good place for marketing these days because of all this change and craziness. That always leaves room for some amazing opportunities. So, a little pep talk to everyone out there.
1: <laughs>
0: you got this. Like you it. can do it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Robert. I'm three uh, coffees in. Uh, it's you're, you're, yeah, yeah. you're gonna it's get. Good. You're gonna get this kind of reaction from me today. I'll break it, out the voices. It's all
1: good. It's all good. All right. All right. Our next story here is, comes to us courtesy of Media Post. Uh, and it's really just more of a launching point for Joe and I to discuss uh, what's going on in, in the newspaper industry. But the 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 article, the headline is, if the newspaper industry is in such bad shape, why is there so much M&A activity? Uh, the article opens up by saying, in the media industry, robust M&A activity is usually a sign of health. Really? Is is that really true? But all right. I I won't pick on that for a moment. But anyway, (laughs) uh, sellers looking for an exit, seeking to convert equity to wealth, find plenty of potential buyers. Prices are attractive for both sides, so deals get done. In the newspaper industry of 2021, there remains a lot of MA activity, which tells somewhat a different story than the usually overwhelmingly bleak narrative. Uh, some of the deal making pi- is high profile, like Alden Global Capital's acquisition of Tribune Publishing earlier this year, or its current bid for a hostile takeover of Lee Enterprises. That impending transaction, should it happen, may not have a favorable outcome, but it doesn't reflect on the health of the Lee Enterprises business. Lee, which owns 75 daily newspapers, reported revenue of $196 million for its third quarter of 2021, an increase of 7.6% over the same period the prior year. Uh, There was also the announcement this week of Ogden newspapers buying Swift Communications. Swift publishes local daily and weekly newspapers uh, in a dozen markets, including Colorado, Utah, and California, along with a national niche in agricultural magazine products. The article goes on to explain a few more of these acquisitions um, and basically ends by saying, you know, these businesses are tiny, but their macro narrative says that the newspaper industry is withering. However, the story at the micro level says there's a lot of activity going on. Well, this is your business, my friend, or former business certainly. What say you to this whole thing? Well, I,
0: I just have a very simple question to start with, and, and the question is what is a newspaper? Does a newspaper well that's a does good a question. newspaper mean right. that you actually still print in the the printed you know, print something? Because most yeah. of the newspapers that I'm aware of, the majority of their activity is online, is digital. And they happen yeah. to produce one, two, or three, or maybe seven, in the case of like the New York Times, uh, print productions a week, becoming the newspaper that we remember. But I don't know. It's just, for, for example, here's a good thing. We talked about a, an email newsletter. I was talking with Ann Ginn, who runs editorial at, at The Tilt, and she says, stop calling it an email newsletter. It's just a newsletter. A newsletter right. today That's is right. you know, pretty much an email newsletter. So I guess I don't know. I just wanted to throw that out there in clarification, because the majority of these companies that are being acquired or merged, they're, they're digital media entities that also have a diversification into print of some kind. Okay, so there's that. The other thing, yeah, the other thing is a lot of these are still companies are still migrating to a digital model. They haven't completely opened up their revenue um, box of goodies, let's say, to, to take opportunities that they, they you know, into uh, digital events or, you know, digital advertising offerings or new content promotions or whatever. Uh, I guess, but I guess the big thing that I would want to discuss is these newspapers have always been really good at building audiences. And that is hard to do, and it's hard for yep. any company to do. And as you, you know, you and I were on a uh, Martech uh, presentation yesterday where you were talking about marketers are just learning now that product marketing and audience building marketing need to go hand in hand today, and a lot of these product marketers are just learning this. So if you have audiences, these newspapers have amazing niche audiences that are hard to get to, you can plug and play these with a number of products and services, and they could be successful and grow very, very quickly. And I would imagine this article is telling us that these M&A companies are learning that or, or have learned it, and now they're paying bigger bucks and they're seeing a higher multiple down the road because of it. So...
1: It's a great, it's such a great point. Um, And the other sort of yes and that I would add to that is that what we've seen, and and again, I don't have any empirical data to sort of show that this is true, but, you know, so I I do a lot of what I would call sort of walking the dog surveys, right? Where I ask just a lot of people their habits. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is Right now, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but mainstream national media kind of in a bad place right now. Right. You know, from a trust perspective, from an an experience, you know, you can't let me tell you the format of most national newscasts. Right. Right. So you turn on the six o'clock news at the national level or the five o'clock news, depending on which time zone you're in or whatever it is. But the national news, national broadcast news, and I include everybody from CNN to Fox to, you know, MSNBC to the national CBS, ABC, NBC, all of those in this in this idea. The national news. What do you get? First story? Something about the pandemic and why it's gone off the rails, right? To put the fear of God into you that, you know, something's gone off the rails with the pandemic and you've got to be scared. Second, something about international policy that's got you scared because something's going to go on mm-hmm. something's going to happen. Third story something about some awful trial that's going on that you know some awful person did somewhere, then that's tr- how the trial's going off the rails. And by the way, it should scare you because you can't go to school, you can't go to a church, you can't go to anywhere. Fourth, I mean and so on and so forth, right? It's a template every night. And what I've heard is is that quite frankly, a lot of people are turning it off and they're going to local news. They want, you know, because they want the weather, they want the sports, they want what the local high school did, they want to know what the PTA meetings are, they want to know what's going on in local mayoral politics, they want to know all of the things in local news. And so I think there has been an increase, to your point, in digital consumption of hyper-local news, and newspapers have been the beneficiary of that, Um, and because most of them have shifted away from you know some of these you know the sort of becoming basically the local classified ads which is of course the demise of newspapers but have become really good at covering local stories mm-hmm. and i think that combination with what you talked about with this sort of trend toward local needs is the opportunity that the aqu- acquirers are actually paying attention to they're saying look this is a thing we can actually build You know, we're much stronger as a network than we are as an individual small business. We can get economies of scale here and we can use these people to serve up hyper local news. We can build that on an advertising, even a brand advertising uh, model or a subscription model. And then it starts to work. You know, it starts to work where the national news, quite frankly, doesn't compete as well anymore. That, I think, is the really interesting possible because, again, I'm making all this up. You know, possible story there about why newspapers are doing as well as they are.
0: Well, to, to your point, hyper local is a real growing area right now, and very hard again, very hard to do. And what a lot yes, of if you look at, I'll, yeah. I'll give you an example. So, Cleveland uh, Plain Dealer, our newspaper, they uh, they don't cover as much local news as they used to. They use a lot of AP stuff. Uh, they cut down their editorial team so they could be profitable, whatever. So they're hanging on; they're doing okay. But at the same time, there's been three or four local newsletters, text-based resources that have launched in Cleveland to cover different parts of the city and different aspects of the city because the paper stopped doing it. So there's this right. huge growth in these hyper-local media companies, usually run by you know one or two entrepreneurs which is very exciting to see this stuff. So it's funny, as, as you see one media company move out or whoever was was dominating that area of expertise and information, you see others move right in and take advantage of those opportunities.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. That is, yeah, I, I, I see that's, you know, that's, and, and, and what's the takeaway for us as marketers is, you know, and you and I have talked on this show, I mean, innumerable times about why, we sort of are you know agog that no big brand has come in and said we could do this we can we can support this we you know where is the spec of brands that would take over local news right you know because of if the if the acquisition really is hot here if the market really is hot and that first sentence really is true you know where m a activity is, is is a sign of health for the business and the industry of the newspaper business, Well, if I'm a brand, I'm thinking to myself, how do I get in on that, right? I'm hot in the Denver market, the Northern California market, and the New York market. I'm making this up. So are there small, hyper-local news outfits that I could start to put together that really serve my audience and serve me as a content marketer and... You know, you go out and buy, like you're saying, the you know, the East Side Daily, right? You know, or the East Side Sports Daily, you know, that covers just hyper local East Side sports teams, that's an opportunity Absolutely. to become yep. to become, you know, the trusted source of those things. And if my high if I have a high concentration of customers there, now all of a sudden I'm getting exclusive advertising and exclusive sponsorship for a very, very segmented audience. It's just, it's a great marketing strategy.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to our third story here. Uh, and this also comes from the marketing dive and sort of in a very relevant uh, sort of segue from your announcement earlier in the show. The headline is here, Marriott, reveals NFTs as the brand readies its extended stay in the metaverse. Uh, as the article opens up and says, it says Marriott International recently became one of the first hospitality brands to create its own digital art using non-fungible tokens (NFTs). Uh, the company revealed in its latest press release on December fourth, three individuals won the pieces during Art Basel Miami, uh, along with a two hundred thousand reward points for the chain's loyalty program, Marriott Bonvoy. The pieces created by digital artist TX Rex. JVY and Eric Nicolai, boy, get ready for the web 3.0 naming folks, uh, were inspired by the company's power of travel campaign that uh, involves a TikTok activation and an application of Pinterest technology and real time trends of out of home placements. The move reflects a continued expansion of brands into the metaverse, a version of the internet bridging virtual and real worlds in a shared space. Marriott international said it will continue building a metaverse presence in 2022. Well, I, you know, there was a, that was a whole lot of Web 3.0 yes, buzzwords in one paragraph. What say you to all of this in, uh, and, 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 uh, Marriott's marketing initiative? Well, the first thing
0: I would say is, it, and I, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it seems like in Web 3, we lose vowels because most of these names that you're talking about, they don't have vowels. Like, what happens in the future? Do we
1: get a limited alphabet? Yeah. We just, yeah. That's, That's right. it, right? It's t- web 2.0 web 2.0 was about shortening and then capitalization and this is about everything being in all caps and removing yes, vowels. Yes, exactly. Yes, it's just an
0: interesting uh pattern that you're seeing cuz my name would just be J, which is not bad, but there's a lot of J's, you know. Yours would be more interesting, but we'll just leave it at that. I <laughs> I, I will say that kudos for to marriott for you know jumping on the bandwagon here of nfts uh but as you and i have talked about before there's a big opportunity here around tokenization whether it's just social tokens or community tokens or or nft programs but this is just in my opinion not challenging the marketing at marriott enough i would have liked to see them really take a chance somewhere and do something and as you if you've been saying if you're going to create an nft program make it into some kind of a utility something that isn't right. just art and by the way, there's nothing wrong with, with NFT programs that are just art. Associating it with art. Associating uh, with uh, art. Associating with art. I mean, like art. we did, right? I mean, we just didn't want to create yeah. 100 never-ending tickets. We had, there's a piece of artwork with each one, but it represents something. This one doesn't represent anything. Uh, I I'm, I guess I would call it a marketing gimmick, which we covered a couple of weeks ago, a couple of these uh, things. That's That's what you're seeing right now. The big brands... Are getting into the marketing gimmicky stuff, and while I think the the forward leaning ones, and I'm seeing Atari and and Nike do some interesting things, they're actually buying virtual land. They're preparing, you know, uh, some some interesting NFT programs that I'm anticipating coming out. I want to see more of that happen on the enterprise brand side. So I don't know what you take. What, okay. I don't know what you think about this one, but this is me. I'm like, eh. Yeah, that's how yeah. I feel.
1: It's fine. Well, this is the- It's fine. This is the perfect, it's the perfect example of where I think the opportunity is missed versus the hype that, you know, everything I've been ranting about on NFTs for the last, you know, 10 episodes or so um, is the missed opportunity here, right? Because what Marriott could have done is to create, I mean, look, not to put too fine a point on it, but their never-ending ticket, like you're what you're doing, Right. They could have created a set of art around, you know, and and packaged it up with and I know and, and it's hard to tell what they said around the two hundred thousand reward points, which by the way, with Marriott, two hundred thousand reward points is nothing. Right. That's that is absolutely like a pittance of what a you pit- need to actually do anything <laughs> a interesting pittance. with Marriott. So you can get three you know,
0: nights hotel stay exactly, in San Francisco like with that. that. Right, you yes. Know,
1: right. Yeah, right which is actually saying something these days but anyway the 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 point being they could have done something really interesting here to say hey the sale of these NFTs are going to create experiences that you've never seen before with Marriott Bonvoy we're going to you know it's a never ending ticket across you know Hong Kong and, and London and San Francisco and New York, and you'll get to meet the owner uh, or, excuse me, the manager of the hotel who will take care of your needs and give you free dinner. And, you know, it's a whole thing, right, to create these. Ex, they could have packaged up these experiences as a ticket that said, you know, you can do this anytime. And, and by the way, you can sell it. It's an asset. You can now sell it if you want. it's it's a It's a true experiential asset. And so that's the key: is how do you make experiences assets? And this is the way to do it: is to package it up in this way. And this—that's the opportunity. And it would not have been that difficult for them to do it. It, it, you know, as I mean, like you figured it out, and if anybody
0: could figure it out—that's true. If if we could figure (laughs) it out, uh, (laughs) right? right, Exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: I don't know. It's interesting. Just. I don't think people understand, and of course I could be wrong. I've been wrong many, many times today. Actually, I've been wrong three or four times today. But I think that digital property is going to be very important in the near future. It could be as important as our physical property, maybe more important. Right. I don't know. This thing is moving so fast. So here's Marriott.
1: Well, there's going to be spe- there's going to be speculation, right? There's, there's always speculation grab here, and a lot yes. of speculation, and, and
0: that's where. Yeah. And that's where um, I had somebody the other day say, "A ah, million dollars for a JPEG?" When a blah blah blah, and I said, "Yeah, they're go back to the late '90s that you had you had all that speculation, and then in 2000 you had the Nasdaq pop, all these internet. If you were an internet stock, you were going gangbusters. But out of that, sure, we got AMD and Intel, and well, AMD not Intel, but AMD, and you got. Um, uh, Amazon and you got eBay and you got some amazing companies coming out of that and sure, great innovation. Exactly.
1: Amazon, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: So, and I, yeah, I told somebody the other day who was saying, "Ah, oh, you know, blockchain. I don't believe it. It's not even a thing. And crypto is not a thing." I said, "Well, well, I know is you follow the talent and uh, Prof G talks about this on his podcast all the time. Where is the where is the talent going? The talent's going into crypto and Web three. Yeah. So the, once the the talent's going there, you're seeing a lot of money go there. You're seeing a lot of innovation. So if we go back to this whole story with Marriott digital property innovation, ah man, m- m- didn't check the boxes on those for me this time.
1: That's right. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And we'll see if they move there, right? We'll see if they can get there because you know, look, it's it's a it's a limited market right now, and it's a you know, there's there's not a lot of people who really even understand this. So like most of these things at this point it's more about the pr release than it is about you know the the actual utility or function of the thing so it, for them their argument could be hey man we're just testing it out to see if it works great fantastic so to your point earlier you know applaud the effort push it yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, take, let's let's take let's take a chance you know, let's, actually, let's actually let's actually let's
0: take the step now is a really good time to take a chance you, there's a lot of forgiveness out there there really is. Right. I think that if Marriott launched some crazy NFT program and it failed, people would not be like, oh, Marriott, they shouldn't have done that. They'd be like, they gave it a shot. Good yeah, for it's them. It's too early. It's too yeah. early. It's too early. Yeah. You're not getting that today. So now is a great environment to take chances.
1: Right. And 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 fail at it, right, while it's still quiet. Yeah, you can go out and fail at this and no one's going to know, right? That's the other That's the other yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. You tell them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. One other quick story here before we get to rants and raves, because this is a quick one that we can just uh, we can, you know, um, talk about. Uh, it's been in the news. It was actually in the news last week when we did show 300, but we just didn't cover it because we didn't cover the news on 300, um, which is uh, this one comes courtesy of Business Insider. Um and it's a, a story that's been covered in a couple of different ways by different people. So, if you don't like Business Insider, there are certainly other sources for this. The CEO of cosmetics retailer Lush um, says he's happy to lose $13 million by deleting Facebook, deleting TikTok, deleting Snapchat accounts over teen mental health harms. Uh, by the way, big hat tip here to uh, Mo. Hi, Mo out there. Miss you. Um, uh, the wonderful Mo out there, friend and family of the show. And so uh, this is interesting because basically the UK cosmetics company Lush has, quote unquote, shut down many of its social media accounts uh, for Black Friday and going forward, basically citing Facebook's whistleblower revelations about social media harms being ignored um, and other you know types of things with um, other social media channels that are well known at this point. I, you know, the interesting thing, Joe, and I'd love to get your take on this is that my, my, my first take was, huh, that's interesting, and I went out and looked, and they didn't delete the accounts. Let's be clear, the accounts are still there, uh, and by the way, you can still buy stuff on the Facebook store that they have set up. You can still buy product on it. They just don't post there any longer. So, uh, you know, I, I'm a little, I'm a little unsure about how to take this other than sort of as a marketing stunt at this yeah. point. Um, but uh, but what say you? Is this is this meaningful? Do is this the sign that social media organic has sort of reached a tipping point?
0: So there's there's two things I want to mention. First, the the serious issue that they bring up in this article is is maybe one of the critical issues of our time right now. Uh, I don't know if you no doubt the I read this morning in the New York Times digital about um, and I wrote this down so I got it right. Suicide rates are up 51. percent in girls under eighteen since 2019. That's that's un, that's an epidemic. That's that's I can't even think of that. Yeah, how it's awful. horrible it's awful. that is. Yeah. So if this brings more awareness to that and dealing with that, and it seems like I don't know if you heard um, this was a couple days ago, Instagram added the time to take a break option did you see this
1: yes Yes. which tiktok also
0: okay so yeah so if you're on instagram or tiktok too long they'll they'll say hey time to take a break well we i don't know if that's going to help but it's something right so so there's that and i think we all should be aware of that i don't know what to do about this but it is a very serious issue i have a teenager i am concerned about uh, these issues. So there's that. Now let's talk about the the marketing aspect of it. Deleting Facebook, TikTok. You're right. No no deletion happened. So this is a this is an overstatement. They just stopped producing content, as you said. And you could just say two things one or two things. One, marketing gimmick. If so, probably helped. Second thing is could be just called strategy. Could be just hey, since yeah. we're not getting any organic right. reach yeah. anymore, then we are going to take the resources that we used to put into posting original content on Facebook, TikTok, and Snapchat, which actually do no good anymore, and maybe we'll put it onto our own channels. Sounds smart to me, Robert. Maybe that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's kind of how yeah. I took it's, this. Uh, I
1: you know I think you're uh, I think you're. Uh, hundred percent right which is you know worse I'm starting to see that certainly from our clients which is you know does it even make sense anymore um, to be you know so leaned into the organic part of Facebook uh, and you know some of the bigger you know channels of course right so just being organically there does that make a lot of sense to put so much time and effort and money into or does it just make sense to look at it as the occasional paid media platform to draw in, you know, users to our own, owned media. One of the things that I've seen is the growth, the explosive growth, is this especially true in B2C, of communities, right, building of communities, because what I think a lot of brands are realizing is that, hey, community is important, but we're, the way we use Facebook, right, the way humans use Facebook these days, is so often about joining groups and really, you know engaging with our very close communities and groups, but you're building Facebook's audience at that point. Yeah. And brands are saying, "Well, we can do that. There's no reason that we can't build our own community, our own app, our own threaded discussion, you know, and build those things. And now they're engaging with us, and we're much more trusted and better at you know data provenance than than Facebook. So why don't we just do that? And that seems to me to be a really interesting trend um, overall. You know, I, I, it doesn't really address the big problem that you outlined, which I think is a huge issue and needs to be and and is in varying degree getting addressed. But but from a marketing standpoint, I think there's a real there is a real there is a real. Movement. I'll tell you what
0: the one-two punch of the pandemic and social media—we've never seen anything like it. It is yeah. so crazy. I mean, you just, you take you you take either one of those two, it's leading to huge mental health issues. You combine them together and. This is what we're seeing, so yeah, it's really exactly. unfortunate. Yeah, scary. Exactly.
1: So it is indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your empirically proven favorite part of the show, and even though we're on our second you know after 300 we're we've we it's still the empirically favorite just i'm sorry that's the way it works i think
0: we restart uh, i think we need our, to restart we okay. need another vote i want to
1: uh, know cuz i'll tell you what the, the last couple
0: sections i thought were pretty compelling you and i talking that might be a better okay. area than covering the news might actually be more empirically proven successful whatever you wanna oh, call it. Oh, I see it. what you're saying.
1: Make the, whole sh- make the whole show rants and raves, yeah. It pretty much all is, right.
0: but yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. I didn't mean anyway. to cut you off, but I did, but go yeah, ahead. so
1: quite all right. It's yeah. where Joe and I go off in a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like, well, we're sitting around eating toast with the Beatles, uh, or we're actually George and get uh, can quit the band. So, something like that. Um, okay. Uh, do you wanna go first or shall I'm, I go
0: first? I'm happy to go first. Would you like me to go first?
1: why don't you go first I have a very quick rant and a very quick rave and so yeah alright
0: we'll, we'll so, so just really quickly um, this was uh, something that the content marketing queen has sent us part of <laughs> part of our wonderful community uh, thank you CM Queen um, this article comes from David B Clear and the article is don't be stupid post your words on more than one platform First of all, David Clare is a great writer, has a very good audience on Medium. Nothing against David personally here, but I could not disagree with this article on on any more levels than I do already, Robert. Because, by the way, I have no problem. Basically, what this says is, is, oh, you're a writer. You've got all these social platforms. You should be putting out your material on every platform you possibly can. Now, you should... Use social media platforms, as you and I have said many times, when it makes sense and it's good sound strategy. And if you're there, you dedicate the time to it. Whatever your goal is to build an audience, generate a following, whatever that thing is that you're doing, focus on the ones that work for you. This one says, put them everywhere you possibly can. Kind of back in the days when our friend Scott Abel told me how to use Ping FM, where basically you put out one social media post and it went out to 100 social media sites at the same time. That's kind of what this article is saying, and I can't disagree with that mentality more. You do not want to – whether you believe it or not, there is an opportunity cost here when you try to spend time on every one of these platforms, posting articles everywhere you can, one or two here, whatever. It's better to focus on a couple that makes sense for you. So I just wanted to throw out – I don't like this advice at all, David – I don't think it's smart for writers or content creators to write on all the things, as he says. So write on the things that where it makes sense, where you can be successful, where you can dedicate the right time. But for God's sake, don't pick 50 of them and just start. Oh, I'm going to post here, post here, post here, post here. That is a sheer way to waste a lot of time for everyone, by the way. So that's my first yeah. that I would go yeah. on with. Agreed. But I'm glad you agree with me. Uh, The second one is something I've been talking about for a long time. It leads into this whole thing that you and I have been talking about, about about decentralized finance. It's not really marketing, but I think people need to be aware. This is from CNBC. Uh, It was posted a couple weeks ago. U.S. consumer prices jumped 6.2% in October, the biggest inflation surge in more than 30 years. This goes back to our whole issue of why marketers, why enterprises need to spend. You might think that the inflation rate of 5-6% that the Fed has been saying is the inflation rate is true. I think it's much higher than this. If you look at asset prices, you look at real estate prices, of course, you'll see they're much, much higher. And my whole take on this, and this is maybe just an investing one-on-one tip, but not an investing show. So don't, you know, (laughs) take it for, this is entertainment first and foremost, but i think there's a big problem here if you're in the u.s if you're in any country that is debasing its currency so much by printing so many dollars the dollars we have are worth less and less every day because of all this printing it's not going to change there's nothing else that these countries can do besides printing they can't lower interest rates anymore we have to start making some smart decisions that's why a lot of people are going into things like crypto bitcoin Ethereum, decentralized finance of any kind. Uh, it's just important that we know that this is going on that if it's just five and six percent Robert, let's say that's the real inflation rate. You have a100 dollars in the bank at the end of the year you've got 95 and 94. It's like a melting ice cube. We just have to know that this is going on. And the problem is today, different than 01 and 02, like we talked about before, there's not a savings account of 3 or 4 or 5% that can help us out today. Those don't exist. There's no money market account right now that you can get more than 1% on. There's just nobody pays for cash anymore. So we just have to be smart with where we put our money because it is floating away because of the debase- debasement of currency today and it makes me sad. So that's all I wanted to say on a positive note. Fascinating.
1: No, that's interesting. I you know and it's a it's certainly a place where I'm I'm getting educated myself cuz I I'm not educated on this, that whole thing. And it's just, it's, I think it's a fascinating topic.
0: So. It's, it's, I talked to a financial yeah. guy the other day and we were just talking about crypto. Yeah. And I, I said, "Did you know that 35% of the US's entire money supply have been created in the last 18 months? 35% right. in the history. Like right. all the dollars available right. have been created. Like what happens when that happens? You see, You see prices jump. You see asset prices jump. So did... Did your stock do really well, or is it because there's more dollar, <laughs> there's dollar, more dollars out there pumping into that asset? So, anyways, there you go. So, what do you got, sir? Exactly.
1: All right, so, I have one quick rant uh, and then just a mention of a rave that we'll link to in the show notes. So, my rant. Um, you know, so it's an article that appears in Ad Exchanger, uh, the publication adexchanger.com. And the headline of the article, it's a guest column actually written by um, the, a VP and analyst at Gartner. And normally I tend to agree a lot with what Gartner says when it comes to content and comes to marketing and, and data. And this just really, really misses the boat um, to, in my opinion. So it's a a bit of a rant on that. And the headline of the article is why you don't really need a 360-degree view of your customers. And basically the writer here who is – I'm going to hopefully not mispronounce her name, Lizzie Fu Kuhn, I believe, VP and analyst at Gartner, uh, and and is sort of credited as being a data-driven thinker. And basically the article opens up by saying that, uh, you know, The Internet used to be the place where no one knows you're a dog, and that was sort of the famous sort of trope at the time of of saying that you were anonymous on it. And nowadays, you know, sort of through data acquisition and surveillance based marketing, everybody knows that you're not only a dog, but you're, you know, what food you like, what restaurants you go to, what, you know, everything about that sort of the, the scraping of data that has become sort of targeted and personalization idea. She then sort of goes on and say, basically, this has fed this conventional wisdom of the 360-degree view of your customer. In other words, building a data profile on your customer so that you can serve them up more relevant experiences or so that you can personalize things or whatever. And she says this is a mistake because the headline, she says, is basically that it's not worth it. It's not worth the effort. Uh, Then she sort of grows on to say the cost is disproportionate to the value it violates privacy regulations, it obliterates trust, and it focus, uh, It basically shifts focus on, on, on providing value here. Um, and I couldn't disagree more um, with all of those things because I think the opposite is true if you do this in the right way. And so, in other words, yes, GDPR, yes, CCPA, yes, all of those things, but as you've heard me rant on the show many times, the acquisition of first-party data is the critical piece of doing that in the right way, in, you know, in, in the trusted way. It does help develop if you're developing the willingness and trusting transaction of that data. In other words, if the customer is willingly and trustingly giving it to you because they're getting value in return. That actually strengthens the trust relationship rather than destroys the trust relationship. Now, it assumes we do good things with that data, and it assumes that we're transparent and that we actually have good motivations and outcomes because of that. But it absolutely, and the, the she ends the article, I think ironically sort of, disproving her own argument here she quotes a harvard business review from 1993 a great article that i've cited many times called customer intimacy and other value disciplines which basically says the three keys of offering up you know delivery of value is one operational excellence in other words do good things in a good way and and do them efficiently. Two, product leadership, make good products. And three, probably the most relevant one here, customer intimacy, use data to tailor offerings to specific customer groups or segments. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about using the idea of getting a view into your customer. No, not knowing everything about what they do, where they sleep, how they dream, all that kind of stuff, but enough information that you can deliver relevant content personal content, not personalized, but personal content to them in a good way. So the headline is absolutely, I disagree with why you don't really need a 360 degree view of your customer. I think you need a 720 degree view of your customer with the right uh, with the right sets of data. And I just, I couldn't disagree with this article more. And I think it's uh, important for us to note that. The quick rave I have is just to we'll link it in the show notes a company by the name of uh stage 32 which is a content platform that helps content creators um think through how to pitch to hollywood basically how to create you know hollywood oriented content netflix has partnered with stage 32 which is uh you know not in many ways sort of like a tilt if you will for you know sort of more hollywood focused uh, content creators They've partnered with Netflix to create a a series of webinars on how to build a Netflix show, basically how to pitch and structure a Netflix show. So I just think it's awesome. It's a win-win. It's a huge win for Stage 32 because they get to partner with Netflix and really offer their subscribers a. Fantastic value! It's a win for the subscribers because it'll be great content, and it's a win for Netflix because they're basically teaching their content creators how to create the shows they want. Nice, fantastic nice. program. We'll link it in the show notes, and it's just a great idea. And I, I, I loved it. I have not
0: heard. I did not hear about that. So thank you for sharing. That's very yeah. Go interesting. check it out. Stage yeah, thirty two.
1: Yeah. Stage 32.com Yeah, great, great little pl- uh, platform. What's
0: there. the significance of the thirty two? Do we know? I know what if it was I 42, I know what I, that would be, but not 32. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know. I can't tell. You that. <laughs> I really don't know. Stop pestering me with that. I don't
1: know.
0: All right. What do you got going on this weekend?
1: All right. Uh, you know, I'm, it's raining here. In Whoa, Southern that's California, strange. Which is, we're happy about. So we're lovely. But I'm, other than watching a lot of football, I think I'm just going to do some writing and uh, I'm having a, a lovely sort of tea up to. The Christmas holidays. Oh, that's very nice.
0: Well, we have a very large, important football game on Sunday with the Ravens, Browns. Yeah, so do we. Yeah, so do the Cowboys. And this is a must-win. If we lose this game, we are out Mm -hmm. of it. But if we win, we're a game back. It's weird. It's so it's so (laughs) congested in football right now. Everybody's got a chance, which is what NFL wants. But for as poorly as the Browns have played, they are still theoretically in the playoff hunt. So we'll see what the weather's like. I'm assuming it'll be here's, snowing. So
1: this, but here's, here's the thing with the Cowboys, right? So we play the Washington football team on Sunday. So if we win, we are that much more in the race for the number three or number two seed. Because I don't think anybody's catching the Cardinals yeah. at this point. But, you know, but we're that much more in the race for the number three or the number two seed basically in the playoffs. If we lose, we're a game back from maybe losing the division. I mean, Isn't that crazy? It, it, that's how big the game. It's just crazy how the how the schedule oh, works here. It's it's the same so, thing in
0: the AFC yeah. North. It's everything's a game yeah. and a half apart. It's just nuts. Which again, good for football. Bad for me as a Browns fan. I'm like, I would like to have it <laughs> locked up. And you, as a Cowboys yeah. fan, right? But at least oh at least yeah. we're in it, right? At least we're around. So that's good. Yeah, that's right. So good. yeah, we're still
1: we're talking still talking about football. football. In Next that's week, I
0: thing. might not be talking about yeah. football. You might be. I might not. <laughs>
1: right. That's it. All right, folks, that is it. We are signing off. If you want to get all the goodness, and we've got a lot of goodness, by the way, 300 episodes of this thing so far, um, of this podcast, the show notes, the links, go check out those links, dive into any of the other previous 300 episodes. Get on over to our website, thisoldmarketing.site. Hashtag us up with story ideas. Now that we're past 300, we need those story ideas. We love those story ideas. Hashtag us up with thisoldmarketing on Twitter. And until we meet again, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old